Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that equips stigmatized communities with the tools they need in order to navigate their healing process. Today's guest is, I didn't even think about what to call you, so we'll just, uh, we'll be anonymous when you start talking, you can tell me what to call you. I'll just call you girl, her, woman, something along those lines, because I know your pronouns are she, her already. Yeah, you were diagnosed with genital HSV type what? Type 2. Alright, so I want to give everybody a little bit of a heads up here. Our guest today does this thing with her voice where she's like really exotic and like luring you into the conversation. <laughs> so don't fall for it now. <laughs> um, hey, don't, don't kill my game like that. Stop it. See, they're going to accent too. I feel like you're doing it on purpose now. <laughs> no, this is who I am. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's talk about when you were diagnosed. What was happening around then? How'd you realize that you had herpes? And then we'll uh, close out at the point of when you received your diagnosis. And then we'll just go into the discussion. Okay. So I was diagnosed in 2016. At that time, I had a boyfriend. We were in what I thought was a monogamous committed relationship. <laughs> and within like the first year that we were together, just one day something randomly like shows up in my um, vagina or vulva. And I was like, wow, what the hell is this? And I got, I was really scared. Long story short, went to the um, emergency room and they tested me and they told me what it was. And I felt like my world just, like, crumbled. It was very scary. I didn't know how to tell my friends. I didn't know who to tell. I got really depressed. Um, mind you, I've had, I've dealt with depression before all of this. So it triggered a depressive episode for me. I think the first person I told was my best friend, and she was extremely supportive. And then I told another best friend and then a professor at school because I just couldn't focus in my classes of how bad I was feeling. I felt like I had to be honest so that they understood that I wasn't just being lazy at school, but I had, like, some stuff going on. She was awesome. She was very supportive. And then it's just... My relationship ended. It turns out he had cheated. He had messed around with some girls. He acted very guilty when I had HSV. He almost knew too much about it. He was the only person I was having unprotected sex with for like a whole year and more, almost two years. I guess you never know 100% who gave it to you and how it happened, but I have a... <laughs> we had broken up I asked him have you told anyone about it and he said yeah I told this girl the girl he basically left me for he said because she kept saying I was gonna get back together with you so I just told her you had that so she wouldn't worry about it so he told her that you had herpes yeah instead of saying I have herpes and then he used that as like Oh, you ain't got to worry about me getting back with her because she got herpes. I ain't messing with that. Basically, that's why he said he said it. Um, so, yeah. 
Before we continue, I want to ask you about the uh, depression that you mentioned, that this triggered a depressive episode. You mentioned a little bit about uh, having to tell your professor because it was affecting your performance in school and that you didn't want to be seen as being lazy or putting off the assignments that you had due. Can I ask how was it received by your professor? She was great. She was super supportive. She didn't care a whole lot about my assignments. She just cared more so about me. Mm. He asked me, you know, if, if I had a good support, if I talked to my friends, if I told anyone, how was I taking care of myself? Mind you, my professor is a psychologist, so <laughs> it turned out to be a small little therapy session. Um, so she had the very good communication skills and she was able to be empathetic with me and yeah she just told me you know just take it one day at a time if you don't want to come to class later today just stay home take care of yourself yeah Mm -hmm. so just something as simple as a person listening was something that was supportive to you during your depression episode as a result of your diagnosis yeah that's probably the one thing you need the most in the beginning yeah so the community support relationships these are things that are not essential but that are helpful have been essential um not just with heartbeats but i'm the type of person um when i go through things and things get rough it's very important for me to have a good support system so i i talk to my friends i have really 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 good friends um so yeah the support system for you has already been in place. It's not something that you build along the way of, okay, now I got herpes. Now I have to seek out people who know about herpes, who have herpes, who have experience with it. But it was a matter of you have people that you know you can go to about anything. Yeah. Well, and I then you brought this support. to them. Yeah, I already have support. But later on, as I tried to cope with this, that's when I started um, going on Instagram. And I found all of these awesome people like yourself. And I follow Positive Results and Anxious V in the City. And it was just awesome. I started going to online support groups. And while my friends are great and they, you know, are very supported, it's been also important for me to talk to other people who've been through the same experience and kind of getting feedback from them or advice on how to, like, disclose or advice on how to, like, manage an outbreak, um, you know, doing, like, natural home remedies and stuff like that. So that community also has been very essential in my coping with this diagnosis. If your teacher was a psych teacher, I'm going to assume that you are in psychology to some extent. Yeah, I'm a doctoral student in clinical psychology. I have a background in health psychology. And ironically, I've always been interested in how chronic health conditions can have an impact on your mental health. So when this happened to me, as I coped with it, I was like, okay, how how can I incorporate this into my life? Like, what's, what's the take-home message? How can I use it towards my advantage? And it really opened my eyes into how does someone who does have a a health condition that has no cure will feel mentally. So I think it helped me empathize more with the individuals I treat and want to treat. And so, yeah, I try to use it towards my advantage. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And so it sounds like that's been helpful for you to apply the experience that you have to your healing process. And I, I say this because while you are looking at it from a mental health perspective, someone else can look at it from an analytical perspective. Someone else can look at it from an emotional perspective, a spiritual perspective. So you sort of have your own pattern recognition in place and you can integrate the two or apply the two in order to make meaning of it and deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. That's that's helpful because um, and I'll, I'll use like a general field as another example, just like with being a personal trainer. I use the example of you have to if you want to build the muscle, you want to build the strength or make it bigger, you have to break the muscle down, allow it to re- heal itself, and then it's stronger. And that's the same thing that applies with disclosing, for instance, and having the conversation about herpes. So the more you flex and work those muscles, and then you, you know, allow yourself to process, that's the resting process, the stronger the muscle becomes. So, yeah, just to throw that out there, too. Actually, the more I talk about it, the more I disclose, and the more, I guess, the, the better I feel about myself. I feel empowered. I feel like I educate people, and I feel like I am normalizing something that should be taken as normal, you know? And mm-hmm. then that stigma. So the more I say it, the more, I guess, normal it sounds to me. Like, it's, it's, it really isn't a problem, so... Sometimes I just disclose, like, randomly. What do you mean you disclose randomly? We're talking about the Um, friends or partners? So not just partners. I've disclosed to classmates. I've disclosed to lab mates. I've disclosed to, I don't know, like, acquaintances, uh, my neighbor, my other neighbor. So you're just running around telling everybody you got herpes. <laughs> what a weird way to say it when you say it that way. Because uh, if someone else were to do it or someone weren't in the headspace of being able to be comfortable talking through this or having had the experience of talking about having herpes for so long, just the thought of someone else knowing our status can be completely overwhelming. And it seems like you, right out the gate, you knew who to tell, you knew how to tell them, and there was no real risk of feeling the terrible emotions that we imagine we'd feel after telling someone we have herpes. Yeah, I think the the most difficult disclosures I are by far to potential partners, but when you think about it, there's also other things like... You might have feelings for them, you like them, you want to get to know them better. So there's kind of like that fear of, I don't want to say rejection, but that fear that the person is going to be an a-hole about it or that they're not going to want to get to know you. Is it because that person in our mind has so much, uh, like we give them so much value and putting them on a pedestal or whatever that their opinion really impacts how we feel or it affirms how we feel about ourselves and is it that that we're looking for that validation in a partner (sighs) i can talk to you about this because you're studying it 
I'm about to yeah. test you. You, you can <laughs> s- share this with your professor and be like, yeah, I exercise what we learned in class. Exactly. Um, I don't think necessarily because you put them on a pedestal, but it is someone you're interested romantically and you may want them to be a part of your life. Um, like, especially if you're seeking to have a long-term relationship and you're ready for that and you meet someone and you like them, you're like, okay, this is it. Like, I'll get what I want. Finally, maybe. So I think that's what makes it more um, nerve-wracking. So are you saying that it's not necessarily the person, but it's the fantasy around the person of us creating? Yeah, it could be both. You mean, like, you could act like the person, but then also if you're you're ready to have a family and have a relationship, then it's also that, like, the possibility of having what you want to have mm-hmm. could go away with you saying something. But if it could go away with you saying something, especially something like this... It shouldn't, but the reality is that not everyone is going to be receptive about it. And something that it was hard for me to learn is that it's, it's not about me. Yeah. You know? It's, it's about them. It's about, one, what they want to and not want to deal with. You kind of have to respect um, the other person's choice. Although I think it's stupid, but... Well, I I can speak for a general population of people when I say that if someone were to have approached me about them having herpes before I knew anything about it, before I knew not only how common it was, but also how uh, impossible it seems to prevent yourself from contracting it. And then just how, you know, we make the assumption that we're being tested for all of the STDs. Had someone told me that we're not... That probably would have completely shifted my world. And I can't say that I've had anyone disclose to me. I can't recall at least that they had herpes. But if I were to know what I know now, back then, I think that I probably wouldn't have made any unnecessary investments in partners. You know what I mean? Like I would have been more picky for sure to the point where, you know, if I know, okay, I'm at risk for if I know that I'm vulnerable to contracting an SCI or receiving this permanent piece of something from a relationship with someone, I think that I would make it more worth it. Like I'd make sure that there's some sort of a long-term investment. I had someone tell me that once. Um, I think it was the first guy I disclosed to. He said something to that extent. He's like, if I'm going to, you know, take the risk or whatever, I would like for it to like be more meaningful. Mm-hmm. I know I have some conflicting feelings about that. Well, share them here. What are your conflicting feelings? Do you feel like you need to have something more meaningful with someone uh, for you to be with them because they have anxiety, because they have high blood pressure, because they have diabetes? It's a health condition. Yes, sadly, there is a reality that there is a stigma around it. And that's why we have these conversations. But it should be treated as any other health condition. It'll just happen that it could either involve your lips or my other lips down there. Like, it's just 
a different part of your body. But just like with mental health problems, it comes from your brain. It's it's another organ, it's another muscle. Like you wouldn't tell someone who has high blood pressure don't take your medication. But why are we so quick to tell someone who has depression don't take medication? Is that a thing where people are saying to people with depression not to take their medication? Yes, yes, yes. There is a stigma around taking medication for mental health. So I'm not saying depression and HSV, you know, it's it's, it's two different conditions, but they're they're still conditions, you know, they're still health conditions. Mm -hmm. And I don't be treated equally. You shouldn't look look down at someone who has herpes um, and not look and but then like you don't have a problem with someone having diabetes. Like I'm not sure if you participated in the survey that I took, but um, there was a survey that talked about the emotions that people felt after their herpes diagnosis. I surveyed the people who listened to the podcast and 98% of people said that they had experienced depression. So I believe that our responses to any sort of a physical condition has a mental effect. Oh yeah, it has a mental effect. There is research out there in regards to this. Sometimes being diagnosed with a health condition, it kind of changes your narrative, that narrative you have about yourself. I could tell you about mine. So I think I went from feeling like I'm this awesome, straight A student, nice, cute, sexy, whatever, to feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm damaged, I'm dirty, I'm this, I'm that. It changed my narrative about myself and how I spoke about myself. And then it went from like, now I'm someone who has herpes. So I incorporate that into my narrative also and it's like that's how we think about it like we go from being everything we are to now just being reduced to a person with yeah it's like everything else doesn't matter yeah Um, not the fact that you are a student that has been getting straight a's for as long as you have or that you've been cute for as long as you have or sexy or whatever like you just said but simply all of that just being reduced to now I got herpes. Now I get a bump on my genitals every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. So, yeah, it's like that took over everything else. But we do tend to, like, the negative will come up first before the positive. So I've been working really hard on just, again, changing my my narrative. Like, the story I tell to myself about myself and I tell others. Because we have this ongoing narrative in our heads all the time. So Um, there's a narrative that we tell ourselves and then we have a narrative that we tell others. Are those different or are they the same? It's the same thing. How you feel about yourself is how you're going to express yourself to others. How you're going to behave. I've learned this um, too. I've struggled with that internalized stigma and just feeling down about myself that I catch myself disclosing for the wrong reasons. So disclosing because I am feeling, um, self-shaming myself. Disclosing because I'm not feeling too good about myself. So example, I was once interacting with this guy. Um, everything was cool. We were out at a bar, whatever. And dude's like, you know, telling me, oh, you're so cute, this, this, and that. But all I could keep, replaying in my head was like oh but I'm not because I got herpes 
oh, I, I don't feel that I'm not that great. And I just blurted out, like, oh, yeah, you think I'm awesome? So I guess what? I got herpes. So how do you feel about me now? I can only imagine the look on his face. <laughs> yeah, poor dude. He had to go get a shot after that. But <laughs> Did he bring you one back, though? That's the question. Yeah, we actually kept talking. See? Um, it wasn't bad at all. I did it for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. I was shaming myself. Um, and I disclosed because I was feeling insecure. Yeah. So what goes back to what you said about like how we feel about ourselves is how we communicate it. Because for me, I find that my in my personal experience, I've sort of overcompensated to an extent. So the way that I feel is I feel some internalized shame around the fact that I have herpes and that I have to disclose this to someone and I feel like I'm going to be met with stigma. So I am going to portray everything about myself like hyped up generally yeah you know I I do these things I have this nonprofit. um I work for myself like the word choice is leading people to think that I'm so much more fantastic than I really am the reality is I have herpes and I talk about herpes with a lot of people and it's branched out into talking about stigma and I'm a personal trainer. I'm at work all day and barely have any sort of a life outside of that. But like if I were to communicate just raw and say these things, then it leaves me really in a vulnerable space. And Mm -hmm. so while I'm communicating these things, I'm sort of communicating around these things. So it's not necessarily how I'm feeling that I'm communicating because I'm trying to get a certain thing communicated. So when you said like what we, the narrative that we tell ourselves is the same narrative that we tell other people. This is me arguing with you. <laughs> you kind of lost me a little bit. I, I always I do. <laughs> so you're saying that you don't agree with No, no, no. I'm not saying... Okay, so wait, wait. Let me... I'll rephrase it. Um, When you say that the narrative that we tell ourselves is consistent with the narrative we tell other people, are we saying that whether it's conscious or not, we're always communicating how we feel to another person? I think it's unconscious. Think about your self-esteem. So for you, using the example that you just gave about disclosing to the guy, oh, you think I'm awesome? Well, I got herpes. So inside yourself, you're like... You think you're awesome because this is a story that you're telling yourself and you're being met by this person with the same narrative, but you know that he only sees what you want him to see. And so you just gave it all to him and be like, all right, well, how do you feel now? Yeah, I I wanted to. It's a combination of me not feeling like what he's saying is true, because if I felt like what he's saying is true, then I wouldn't have the need to bring up my my insecurity. Is that true? I don't feel like what he was saying is true. Is that your insecurity, like singular, or are there more? It's a combination of my insecurity and man be lying. (laughs) So, telling me how awesome I am or whatever 
and in my head all I can think about is like I'm not really that awesome because I have herpes. So before you had herpes and people were telling you how awesome you were, how did you receive that? Well, when I was at my best, because I've always struggled with... Stop it, you're better. <laughs> what? Stop it, because you're better. Like, no matter what, you're, you're... Yeah, but I was saying because I've always struggled with my self-esteem. And this is me with dealing with depression. So... Yeah, but no, I would, I would take it. I, I felt really good about myself. There was nothing. I don't want to say nothing wrong with me because I got my issues. But yeah, I didn't feel like there was. I was damaged. Mm. So this is even before you had the herpes, though, right? So you felt damaged beforehand, and then you got herpes, and you felt damaged because you had yeah, herpes. I've always, I've always felt. Um, not so great about myself because I have all of these strong emotions. I'm very emotional and I feel sad often and it's hard for me to be positive. And then you throw herpes and it's like, oh, great. Like, here we go. Another thing I got to deal with. It was like another, it was like another threat to my self-esteem, if that makes sense. It does. It does. But it was it was a combination of things. Because it wasn't... So it was the diagnoses and then having someone um, be unfaithful in your relationship also. That was like another threat to my self-esteem. And I think these things kind of like build up. Um, but I am... In the past year, I started to go to therapy again and I feel like I'm finally um coping with the whole um diagnoses and everything around it mm -hmm. um how had you been dealing with it because you said 2016 you were diagnosed we're on the fourth year it's 2020 right now how have you been coping with it have you been dealing with it are you healing are you worse oh I think I'm way better now I am healing as is, is an ongoing process Right. Um, but what have I done is you really have to take it one day at a time and then just doing little things um, such as masturbation. I think that was like one of the first things I did to heal because at first I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror naked without feeling bad. I didn't want to touch myself even. So, slowly, as I feel better and start gaining back my sexual desire, I would say, <laughs> I start touching myself and feeling good about my body and about me as a sexual being again. Um, I figure I had to give myself some love before I, I wanted someone else to give it to me, you know, need to... Why you say give it? Why you say give it to me like that? <laughs> what you want me to say? <laughs> Before someone was going to meet me with what I was asking for. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was. How do I learn to love myself again? And this can look different for this can look different for people um, in a number of different ways. So you used getting comfortable with your body again. Getting comfortable with my body, um, 
affirmations, telling myself how awesome and beautiful I am, how great my body is, and thanking my body for all of, all that it does for me. Um, dancing naked in front of the mirror, you know, just twerking, things like that. Did you do these <laughs> kinds of things before your diagnosis? Would you say it means more now? Yeah, it does. I think this really, it really forced me to look very deep into myself and cope with a lot of other issues I may have had around my self-esteem and really how to love myself again. And I I even wrote it in a journal one time. um, And I just wrote that I was going to love myself again even better than I did before. So, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's just what I've been trying to do. Um, taking care of my body physically. Um, like eating, sleeping, and exercising. Which is also good for my mental health, my mood. And then stress management has been essential. Um Herpes kind of forced me to take better care of myself because my outbreaks are very triggered by stress. Um, I'm a graduate student, so I'm in stress a lot. <laughs> so this has has taught me and forced me to work on my stress management. So mindfulness, meditation, yoga, just like taking breaks. And being kinder to yourself. Like, you know, we live in a society where you're always on the go and sleeping is frowned upon and you get a gold medal every time you say, I pull up an all-nighter and I work Monday through Sunday without breaks. That's bullshit. Like, we're killing ourselves with stress. So I I learned the hard way how this that stress can take a toll on my body. So... I'm taking better care of myself in that way, not just to prevent my outbreaks and treat my condition, but also to take better care of myself emotionally and mentally. That's beautiful. Is there uh, anything that you would say to someone who's newly diagnosed? Yes. I would say, first of all, this is not the end of the world or at the end of your life although it may feel like it and you will get out of this dark place because I know in the beginning you kind of feel like you're in like this dark hole and you can't it almost feels like someone please wake me up from this dream you will have sex again trust me you will and you will enjoy it if you allow yourself to you will meet a lot of people who will be more than okay with the fact that you have herpes and that will love you and care for you and will be attracted to you um and that just be kind to yourself be patient one day at a time one day at a time and just try to see this as an opportunity to really learn how to love yourself and grow from it and I promise it will it will 
be okay. I'll be okay. Thank you so much. All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, and share this podcast. Um, Just my hope for you at the end of this episode here is just that you take what our guests shared and you try and apply it to your life. One of the bigger takeaways here is using sort of an everyday thing that you do. So if it be like work or if you're in school or if it's a hobby of yours and apply it to whatever stigma it is that you're facing and begin to integrate the two. How can you gamify your life and make it a thing that sort of just gets integrated into your routine so that you can understand what it means for you and give meaning to it and redefine your own personal narrative. Till next time, stay positive.